Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So, how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io. Or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. All right, what's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, my name is Stephen Miller. This is my co-host, Chris Corneros. And you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you a quick update into the world of cryptocurrency every single Tuesday and Friday. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing excellent, Steve. We got a very special episode coming up for everyone at home right now. Um, But for everyone who's going to be watching this on YouTube, you'll see it is a special episode because Steve and I are both wearing hats. It's a big day here. Wardrobe shift. I was going to say, we're shaking things up this week. When dad's away, the hats will play. That's the game this week. So look, we've got a lot ahead. We're talking buy, sell, or hodl as usual. Um, It's where we take you through two quick stories and give you an idea as to whether or not we're buying that news, selling on that news, or just needing a little bit more time for it to develop, and we're hodling. We're going to take you through our Aftershock News segment this week, where we're going to be talking all about partnerships in the crypto space. And then we're going to take it all home by letting you know what you need to watch out for in the next week. So Chris, why don't you uh, take us off from the top? Let's get into buy, sell, or hodl and talk a little bit about Visa. Alrighty. So yeah, just like Steve was saying, we are going to be talking about Visa right now. Pretty big news coming out uh, this morning, actually. So September 30th, 6am. Visa announced that they are going to be essentially creating the digital version of a currency exchange for stable coins. um, And for basically traditional financial institutions, their digital currency, uh, Visa is creating essentially a hub where it's easy to send and receive money digitally. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> there's so much I could say about that. I, I actually don't even know where to start. But essentially, what they want to do and their kind of reasoning in this little press release here is that, say you have a you know, a digital US dollar and you want to send a hundred bucks to your friend in the UK. So, but they use, you know, a digital British pound. You could send them a hundred dollars or you could send them the hundred dollar equivalent in British pounds. And Visa is making that more accessible or plans to, right? They're, this is just the announcement of a basically a program that will enable that. But their whole reasoning is, you know, why send someone a hundred you know, digital USD when you could just send it to them in their country's native digital currency. It makes it easier to actually spend it. You don't have to transfer it. And they want to make it, you know, like blockchain is they want to make it incredibly fast and incredibly efficient. And it seems like not only Steve, are they doing that? But as far as I know, they're the only financial institution of any kind in the world right now that's even hinted at doing this or is doing it. And I want to get your take on that. I mean, this does seem like it's the very first foray into like a true payments provider going cross-chain. I mean, you know that there are plenty of platforms out there like PayPal and Venmo and you can get into like things like QuickBooks if you're on business side of things where you need a payment gateway to exist so you can transact. This to me seems like it's the green light for crypto gateways to start up. And that's extremely important, especially when you consider how many different Web3 providers there are now. And I mean, frankly, over the next five years, we're going to see even more of them come to, into existence. So I'm encouraged by this. On a buy-seller hodl side of things, I see this as a vote of confidence for any type of Web3 provider. Um, if you're looking at Polkadot, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Terra, you name one, this should be 
an absolute like vote of confidence for you? What do you what are you seeing out of this? I mean, is this bigger from a stablecoin's perspective in terms of settlement, or is this just something that every Web three platform should be on? So, in my opinion, um, and also from reading through their press release, I don't know how much it will apply to necessarily every Web3 platform, uh, their related coins and tokens. But from a stablecoin perspective, you know, right now, all the stablecoins for the most part are incredibly interoperable, right? It's really easy to say swap USDC for Tether or to get uh, DAI. Um, those are the first three that come to mind. But I think this is bigger, right? Because this is essentially saying you could have a USDC and then ex- you know, send someone $100 in USDC, but in there, so say you want to send someone money in India. If there's a digital rupee, you could easily now send that money without having to deal with different wallets or using services like SimpleSwap to kind of exchange it and get it in that right currency. You can just send it through Visa and then Visa automatically exchanges it and sends it to the recipient on you know, a much simpler peer-to-peer basis. But like you were saying with Venmo, PayPal, and we've talked about this in the past, is it's not... It actually is your crypto, right? Because you're sending crypto. You're not just sending a, you know, a fiat currency equivalent of that crypto. And I think that is the biggest vote of confidence for me. And more so in that, this is also truly, right? It's like kind of leaning towards DeFi and away from kind of traditional finance because it sounds like this is just going to be a system or a platform that's set up to do this. But Visa will just maintain the platform. They won't necessarily be you know, approving or uh, declining trades. And I think that is pretty impressive because although not true DeFi, it kind of is like a, you know, a budget DeFi. And from a financial traditional financial institution, right now, that's a huge vote of confidence on their part from where blockchain will be going. So yeah, I would buy this news. There's one bigger thing. You just said it. This is one of the biggest steps traditional finance is going into decentralization. And I think that's something that we need to all be a little bit more cognizant of. There is no just like a one or a zero. It's not going to be binary for the rest of industry going forward as we look into decentralization and into the crypto space. All of these companies, Visa, Goldman Sachs, uh, JP Morgan, you name a traditional financial um, institution, they're going to enter this space in the way that makes the most sense for them. It does not need to be entirely centralized or entirely decentralized. This is Visa basically drawing their line in the sand as to where they want to exist in both worlds. That to me is extremely interesting. Um, and I'm really hoping that more institutions start following by Visa's lead because that's this is a huge deal, especially because this is talking about interoperability. And that, my friends, is the very future of this industry. Um, so look, Chris, I'm glad that we got into a little bit of buy, seller, hodl there. I do need to interrupt buy, seller, hodl for a little bit of breaking news. This just crossed my desk. I'm not going to share it on screen yet because again, this is still developing. But apparently, TikTok has just announced that they are going to be um, dropping their own NFT collection led by top creators. This is a really, really big deal um, for a number of reasons. The big one being that, of course, Twitter came out in the last week saying that they're going to be doing verified NFTs on their platform so that you know you can basically use your NFT as your profile picture and have a verification badge on it that you actually own that. With TikTok entering NFTs in this ex- exact bit of breaking news, it says the newly announced TikTok top moments will feature six culturally significant TikTok videos as one-of-one NFTs from creators including Lil Nas X, Rudy Willingham, Bella Porch, Curtis Roach, Brittany Broski, FN Mecca, Jess Mercianti, and Gary Vee. Those creators will partner with coin artist, X0R, Artifact, Grimes, and others to create additional limited edition NFTs that celebrate their viral videos. I don't know how to even begin on this, Chris. This is actually going to be one of the biggest deals for the NFT space, maybe of the year. Do you want my hot take? I really do. I think it would have been... I 
I don't think it's as big of a deal. And the really? reason I don't, I the reason I don't is because of who they chose as their top creators. None of the people they mentioned are actually top TikTokers. And okay, me, but but are they not are are they not top cultural influencers though? They are, but it would be a bigger deal to me if they took the top. You know, let's just go with the number they had. If they took the top six TikTok creators, right? Like the six biggest accounts and then did this, that would be a huge deal. But to me, this is saying we're going to take these massive social influences that also have a TikTok and then we're going to kind of integrate NFTs with that. And it does make sense for some of them, right? Lil Nas X is very active on TikTok. He posts a lot. He gets the culture. He fits right in with, you know, Gen Z, TikTok culture. He's duetting videos. He does it for the memes. Fans love him. People that even don't listen to his music like him as a social personality, right? But you have these massive TikTokers with hundreds of millions of followers. Like uh, you have Cabby Lame, who's the Italian guy who you know makes the face when someone has some ridiculous life hack that isn't one. You have the D'Amelio sisters, obviously, Addison Ray. If from a fan perspective, if I saw that news, not as a crypto person, but as just someone who watches TikTok, I would be disappointed that, oh, you know, why isn't Charlie D'Amelio getting one? That being said, I also get why TikTok chose them, Gary V especially. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, the Gary V piece is like obviously going to be one of the biggest pieces. But yeah. here's, the, here's the, real, the real reason why I find this is one of the biggest pieces of news on the year. TikTok has blacklisted crypto for the better part of the last six months. That news broke in late April and nobody has been able to actually post straightaway crypto content on TikTok. Yet they're wanting to rebound into the NFT space to capitalize on their creators and be able to make more money based on um, the NFT market and what, that, and what utility that brings. The really cool thing about this to me, and this is the piece that I haven't shared yet, is that they're going to be distributing these NFTs on the Ethereum network, but exclusively powered by Immutable X. Immutable X is a layer two protocol built on Ethereum exclusively for NFTs. I have been so hyped about Immutable X for months. And the fact is that Immutable X could very easily off of this news be just running to the front of like layer two scalability solutions on Ethereum because the NFT space is in desperate need of a scaling solution that makes easy sense. And for them to be working with this big of a player right from the jump tells you that there's some serious vote of confidence going on within that world. So Chris, whether you think that they picked the right creators or not, that's a really, really big deal. Well, so this is a bit of a reach, right? But if they're partnering with a, you know, a, a protocol built on top of Ethereum specifically for NFTs, to me, what, you know, what I could see potentially this kind of forking into, fork very carefully chosen here, right? Think about forks in current crypto is TikTok attaching you know, in the same way that NFTs have unique addresses. What if they did that to TikToks? And so then every TikTok is in theory an NFT. And that way, if you duet it or you try and download it, it's essentially, it's a way for TikTok to track, okay, if someone wants to download it and repurpose it, we can then kind of give credit to a creator, even if it's, you know, all this other stuff happens outside of the app. And I think that, although not listed, by partnering with this very specific NFT play, to me, they're basically opening the door for that as a possibility. And that is very interesting to me. Well, look, we can all be hopeful, but at the very least, TikTok is entering the space now in a very, very real way. So, so we'll see where they go from here. But I want to get into our next piece of buy, seller, hodl, because again, that was just a piece of breaking news that just dropped. So I'm going to bring up my screen. I'm going to share my piece for buy, seller, hodl this week. This week for me and buy, seller, hodl, I'm curious if you want to talk about the treasury because 
frankly, them coming out and saying that we need adults in the room is something that I definitely don't want to talk about. So we're going to skip ahead of that. This week for Buy, Seller, Hoddle with me, I want to talk about Bitcoin price predictions because everybody loves a good Bitcoin price prediction. But we saw this come out today from Kaleo, who's an anonymous um, crypto influencer and somebody who's really well-read in terms of um, watching the Bitcoin markets as a trader. And he made this post comparing the current Luna charts, Terra Luna, for those who are not familiar, to the Bitcoin trend. This to me is really interesting because I can absolutely see where he's coming from. Well, he or she, excuse me, because they are anonymous. When it comes to this initial run that you see on the screen in the far left in these green boxes, how you see the initial run up that we saw early on in the year, how we then plateaued in April, just how we saw right here, March into early April, and then we had our crash. And now we've been trending sideways for a while, yet because again, this chart over here for Bitcoin is starting 2021 right here, effectively. But 2021 starts here for the Luna chart. If you watch the way this lines up, it means that we could theoretically be seeing the parabolic move that Luna just saw come into Bitcoin right here. A lot of people from the beginning of the year, Chris, have been saying that Bitcoin could see anything from about 125 to $250,000 by the end of this cycle. This is yet another vote of confidence if we zoom in here, because again, this is charting based on a logarithmic view. So what order of magnitude the growth could actually occur within, he matched it. What does this show? It shows that Bitcoin could land right around $115,000 by end of year. So that's rapid, rapid, rapid uh, price appreciation. I personally have been saying since like the better part of mid-year that I don't think Bitcoin is going to do what Kathy Wood and everybody else in the financial world say it will by saying, you know, it's going to go up to $300,000, $500,000. I don't buy that. I don't buy it for a second because there's too much manipulation at play right now. There's too many big, big players that are, you know, counteracting the ability for Bitcoin to move. However, I have said it could definitely go to somewhere between one, uh, 100 to 125K. What do you initially think of this chart? Because I, I personally think this is a really interesting look into um, trend tracking and trend comparison. I mean, first look, I like it, right? Like it's very promising. It makes me feel good, right? This is the opposite of FUD here. This is that kind of, we'll call it very hopeful optimism. And it reminds me of, you know, especially looking back to the beginning of 2021, when everyone was looking at the stock to flow model for Bitcoin and like, hey, 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 like, look at this. Bitcoin is going to 250K by the end of this year because that's what the stock to flow model says. So you have to buy now. It's already too late. It's similar to that, right? Where we're looking at another model and yes, it is trending very well, but I'm, I'm going to be cautious, right? I would love to see 115K Bitcoin soon. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But I, I mean, the signs are there, right? Like it's not perfectly identical, but no two, uh, we'll call these commodities just for simplicity, right? No two commodities will ever behave identically. Even when you look at traditional economics and you think about how you have complementary goods and typically they move similarly, at the end of the day, nothing is perfectly moving like that. But to me, right, this graph and these graphs show, you know, that there is a connection here. Obviously, they have similar indicators, similar kind of chart mapping, and it's very hopeful, right? And hopefully, right, that after all this FUD, all the kind of paper hands, as we like to call them, they've sold their Bitcoin. Now it's being accumulated by whales and some of the larger players. Hopefully now that some of these larger players have their hands on Bitcoin, they're going to, you know, let it be a peacock, let it fly. And yeah. that's what I'd really like to see. And see, Chris, here's the thing that I think most, most interests me about this. If you're looking at this yellow accumulation box that Kaleo's pointed out, it's showing the fact that like not only in this time window did we need this accumulation to grow based on what we saw up above with Terra, 
But we saw just as you saw Terra peak up above the reclamation bar. We've already seen that peak up. So it technically does need to come down a little bit in order to reclaim and run. So we're just starting to break below this line if we're comparing the two charts. And in my opinion, based on what I'm seeing here, like we could definitely see some type of like push down to 36, 37. But if this does hold water, that doesn't bother me. That gives me a better buy-in price for Bitcoin. So my message to you, dear listener, is the fact that you don't need to worry if we're going to go down a little bit more. View it as a buying opportunity. And I'm not just saying that from the perspective of somebody who's biased who wants crypto to succeed. I'm saying that from the perspective of somebody who's already seen it happen multiple times. We are in a recovery right now. We are seeing coins run. Like we're not at the end of the cycle. Like the bears are not, you know, in a conga line partying yet that we're into a, a complete bear market. If you see up here where it starts actually into the green box in that big, big price appreciation phase, that's an order, that's an absolute order of magnitude. I don't even really remember. We were seeing Terra trade down here at six bucks at the time, and now we're seeing Terra up at 33. I mean, it's a 5X. It's an easy 5X from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that we're going to see a 5X out of Bitcoin, but if you could definitely see a 3 to a 5 um, if this is true. But let me take you to a different angle on this. Because again, in the price prediction landscape, there's only one other player that I personally buy into in a much bigger way. And he goes by the name Plan B. You'll know the name Plan B if you've ever heard of the stock-to-flow model. That's what he has outlined down here. And Plan B has been notoriously accurate for where he has seen the prices be at month's end or like where the price is trended around. So he, he's made these calls before. In August, he, he was calling for roughly 47K Bitcoin. August did close 47K. September, roughly 43K. And this is not like he's making a call now, Chris. Like he made these calls yeah. early. Okay. You want to so, you know Bitcoin's at right now? 43. 43,789. Yep. And folks, on the day that we're recording this, just in, in case you're curious, I hate to ruin the surprise for you. Uh, we're recording this a day early because Chris has plans this weekend. It's September 30th. Doesn't get much more on the nose than that. So what he's saying from here is that we could see based on the stock to flow model, and based on what he's found in the data, that in October, we could see a high of 63K. So a true reclamation of the old high. In November, 98K. On the, literally on the doorstep of 100K. And then in December, a high of 135. Or somewhere above that. If you're not encouraged by this, I don't know what you're doing. Because the models don't lie. The models have proven accurate. Time and time again, and I, like if you aren't educated on the stock to flow model, this has been pretty close in terms of like managing the actual trend line since 2011. I mean, you don't get a lot better of a confidence read than that. Um, so, and it, again, the stock to flow model is based on the Bitcoin halving cycle, but. I'm encouraged by it, dude. I, I think there's a really good shot that we see in uh, 100K plus Bitcoin this year. But my question for you is, in this buy-seller hodl environment, what do you think it's got to take for Bitcoin to get there? I think we will need to see another dip, like you were saying, right? Down to that like kind of $37,000 price. You know, maybe even lower. Maybe it goes to thirty-five. dollars um, But the reason... And let me preface this before I say it, right? Like there are people who are listening and people that'll watch this or that have crypto in general. And, you know, we're sitting at just under 44 right now. Bitcoin obviously had that peak around 65 back in the spring. And you hear, oh no, right? It's going back down to 35. Well, and this is something you need to remember, right? When investing in anything, be it stocks or crypto, art, real estate, whatever, right? That dollar amount difference sounds like a lot. But at the end of the day, that's really only a 5 to 10% difference. And just to kind of keep everyone's heads in the right space, a few days ago, and actually this week, right? Crypto isn't the only thing getting hammered. The traditional stock market also got hammered. 
And we saw five to 10, sometimes greater percent drops in a lot of blue chip stocks, which are supposed to be, you know, fairly conservative. They're room for growth, but you're not going to see anything insane. If they were dipping five to 10 or 20% in a week, a Bitcoin dip that's five to 10% isn't a bad thing, right? If anything, it, yeah, sure, it's going to sting us a little. But it also kind of makes the price a little more stomachable. It's going to help more people get in. And like we talked about in the Tuesday episode, right? Like that's a step towards mass adoption. The more people that have bought in at any amount means that there are more people who care where this goes. And so if more people buy in, that means more people will want to see it go up to that $63,000 price that plan B predicted for the end of October. So I think this is a really positive sign. And I, I, I won't mind kind of eating a bit of a dip in my portfolio over the next, let's call it week or two, if it then means the latter half of October, we see a parabolic increase back up to that all-time high. Yeah, and if I'm being realistic, Chris, like I think that dip is going to come. I mean, there's just too much that points to it happening. You know, a lot of the big money wants to see this like actual parabolic move happen. And right now, because there's so much in question, there's so much teetering, they can manipulate the market down further to get that prettier entry. Like they want to get in at a lower level. And if they're able to do that right before the run, they're going to make more money. It makes way, way too much sense. So from my perspective, I think there's four big things that could actually trigger this occurring. Because again, so far this year, we've stayed right between 22, actually, no, sorry, 30 to 64. That's been the range that we've been trending between since the initial fall off in the end of April. The four things are this. Number one, if we see ETF approval from the SEC, full send. If we see another nation adopt Bitcoin outside of El Salvador, mark it down for full send. Ukraine, hint, hint. I was going to say Ukraine, Panama, Paraguay. Those are the big ones. Those are the big ones that have the most shot right now and actually announcing something very, very big around Bitcoin. Next, one of these payment providers or one of the payment supporters within the Bitcoin network could be a really big deal. I'm talking Lightning Network or even Strike. Um, Strike, again, is a public company, but they have some really big Bitcoin integration plans that are happening on the horizon. If we see that happen, full send. Finally, one of the big four technology providers, we're talking Apple, Amazon, Google, or Microsoft. If any of them announce any type of true adoption of Bitcoin, full send, crank up the dials, it's going big. And if you get multiple of those, we're talking about another order of magnitude. We're talking about another 25K on top of it. That's just the way that I see it right now. Yeah. Which, which of those do you think has the highest chance of actually happening? Realistically, it would probably be a company buying in, right? I think the countries adopting it as a form of legal currency is possible. I think those countries that you listed, right? The Ukraine, Paraguay, Panama, I think they will. But again, it is a lot harder for a country to adopt something because it has to go through a whole legal adoption process than it is a company to say, heck it, we did $150 billion in revenue last year, might as well put two of that billion into Bitcoin, right? That is a much easier buy. And quite frankly, pretty much any C-level executive can kind of do that almost on their own. Obviously, a little more complicated, but not that ridiculous. One thing I do want to say, though, is if typically on this show and in all of our content, we like to say, buy the rumor, sell the news. If you hear that Google, for example, is buying into Bitcoin, that's where you break that rule and you buy the news. Because if you have basically the number one internet company in the world buying into Bitcoin, it's not going down below what it is then, right? Then Google would never let it happen. So that's when you got to buy in. And one final thought here is if the Ukraine adopts it, the biggest thing that comes out of that isn't that it's legal tender, right? In another country. It's that as a member nation of the EU, there is now a legal and very concrete connection between the euro and Bitcoin. And to me, that is a huge step. Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to talk a little bit more about partnerships in a second here. But there is a lot 
it's going to be coming out of the EU in the next six to 10 months when it comes to crypto. And I would not be surprised if part of that is Bitcoin driven. So we'll see where that goes, folks. But for right now, I'm going to tell you that on that news, for me, I'm marking that as a buy on Bitcoin. I think that right now it's a too juicy of a price point to ignore. Um, but that's for you to decide from here on. Um, either way, that's been Buy, Seller, Hodl for this week. Do us a favor, though. If you enjoyed Buy, Seller, Hodl, you want to share your take with us, leave us a note in the comments below. But also, please do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit that bell for notifications on when we go live. And also, smash that like button for us if you've enjoyed the content so far. We'd really, really appreciate it. Next, we've got our Aftershock segment for this week. The biggest news in crypto and how it is actually affecting the crypto ecosystem and the world around it. And this week on the Aftershock, we are talking about partnerships. Partnerships is the word of the week, Chris. And there are two big projects out there that we want to bring to you folks this week that have made some really big partnership moves in recent times. The first of which, of course, is Helium, which is Chris's baby. So Chris, I'll let you start us out. What partnership did we hear about for Helium in the past week? And why is it a big deal? So in the past week, we... Well, I say past week, but this was actually this morning. Uh, September 30th, Helium partnered with the city of San Jose to deploy <laughs> to deploy Helium hotspots. The city of San Jose is going to be giving residents Helium hotspots to build out the people's network. But this isn't their usual play, right? We've talked in the past about how they've been building out this vast internet of things. We saw earlier in September the partnership with Senate, which is a vast network of uh, in IoT in the United States. We then saw last week a partnership with the Microsoft Azure IoT Cloud Hub, which is, you know, big in terms of partnerships because, like you were saying, right, that's a top five tech company partnering and really getting involved in the crypto ecosystem. But this is beyond that because this partnership isn't IoT. This is Wi Fi. This is giving you internet. So, that you can actually go and access your Facebooks, your YouTubes, your Google, Instagram, whatever you want. And to me, this is a massive piece of news because Helium launched about two years ago, right? August 1st, 2019 is when Helium officially launched. And their end goal when they launched was to create a decentralized, democratized internet for the world so that everyone has access and there isn't as much of a gap or divide anymore. And the reason this is such a big deal is that just two years after they've launched, Helium's already rolling out their like end goal to some degree. This is going to be a trial run to see how well, like how widely covered a decentralized internet uh, service could be in a major city. And it's it's wild, right? Two years after they launched, they're already in the end game. If this goes well. This is proof of concept, proof of everything for Helium to show, look, yeah, we're blockchain, yeah, we're crypto, but we have a legitimate product here that can help millions of people. And if you look at Helium's market cap right now, I think they're sitting around a billion, a billion and a half. Um, they're basically trying to target and compete with uh, you know, these traditional service providers, right? Like your AT&T. AT&T, a big cellular provider, obviously, but also internet. Helium's market cap right now is about $1.5 billion. AT&T's is just under $200 billion. So if that's just a little idea of how much this can grow. Just imagine when they announce a partnership with a city like New York, because San Jose is probably about a million and a half to 3 million people maybe in the metropolitan area. When they start partnering with these larger cities with like, 30 million people in their <laughs> metropolitan area, that's when things are going to get crazy. Yeah. So Chris, let me ask you a quick question on this because it's interesting that you bring um, the mining operation into view because one of the biggest criticisms of Helium through the last better, better part of the last five months has been that they haven't been able to get the hardware to the customers as quickly as they need to to be able to deploy the network. How are they going to be deploying this across an entire city? I mean, what's the timetable look like? So as far as the timetable goes, and I'll double check right now, but I didn't see any concrete, you know, roadmap in that. Tomorrow is when the first batch goes out. And then a week from now, there'll be another, et cetera, et cetera. 
it seems like the this partnership announcement is more kind of in the planning stages, right? Obviously, they have a plan. They know what they want to announce or they know what they want to do, where this is going to go. But like you were saying, right, they still need to get that hardware. And my guess is that is why there isn't a concrete date on when those will go out. Well, let me put something in front of you then because I don't, I don't know if you actually knew this. This came out in the last you know, 13 hours or so, so I'm not sure if you do. No. Okay. Are, you, are you familiar with the company Mimic? I am not. Okay, Mimic is one of the bigger um, tech providers in terms of like 5G and um, home deployed networks out of Silicon Valley right now. They've got funding from Apple, they've got funding from Microsoft, they've got funding from like the bigger tech players. Mm-hmm. As of this morning, Mimic has announced that they are officially partnering and releasing a Finstrom miner to assist in the Helium network. So effectively, in the next couple of weeks or in the next couple of months, you'll be able to get your hands on a very small miner that looks just like this. They will mount directly to your window and will allow you to effectively start mining right within your own home or your office or wherever you are. Um, And it's supposed to be very affordable in terms of the actual build, very reliable in terms of the build quality. And it plugs into exactly what they want in the um, Helium network. It's LoRaWAN capable, um, and it is very, very effective. So food for thought, because this is coming out of Silicon Valley, I wouldn't be shocked if this is coming on the heels of that post just because they need more actual technological providers to be backing them with tech. They need more hardware out there. So now Mimic is going to be one of the partners that's going to roll it out to San Jose. Yeah, I mean, that that is a super reasonable kind of assumption there, right? And I agree with you. I think there is probably some well-done PR planning in the terms of the Finestra announcement and this partnership with San Diego. But just kind of walking back a few steps and talking numbers from that announcement, and this is coming from San Diego, the city of San Diego. San is there Jose. About, or San Jose. I keep doing that. Yep, it's okay. We'll forgive you. But uh, they said so there are about 95,000 people in San Jose without access to internet. And by the city deploying these miners and building out this decentralized internet network, they are... So they're starting to roll out with 1,300 families and they're going to see how it works with them and then expand it so that the long-term goal is the entire city of San Jose will have access to internet via the people's network. And I don't know if you remember this from a few years ago, Steve, but there was talks in New York City of converting old payphone uh, installations into wireless internet. I think the company that was handling that kind of folded in on itself because it didn't work. If this works, Helium is going to explode. Because this is their proof of everything. This is their end goal. And it is incredible to me that just two years after launch, it is already in sight. Well, look, for you guys that are interested in getting a helium miner of your own, of course, check out our partner. Um, We have a partner that has been doing um, helium miners for a while. Um, It's worth going out to crypto-current.co and finding them out. That's Emirate, E-M-R-I-T. But if you're interested in getting your hands on it, uh, helium miner through Finstra or Finstra miner. They're coming to market in Q4. They're expected in October of this year. Um, and if, again, you know anything about helium, all those other miners have been backlogged for months. If this, if this ends up going live and the pre-sale is live here in the early part of October and you jump on it, you may be able to beat everybody else to market. So food for thought. The next piece of our Aftershock segment this week, though, when it comes to partnerships, is talking about Cardano. Because this past week, we told you that the Cardano Summit was happening on the 25th and the 26th. And they actually had four or five pretty big announcements come out when it comes to partnerships. The biggest of them, uh, you may have already heard of, but I'm going to just bring them back through for you real quick. They announced a partnership with Chainlink to bring another massive Oracle play onto the Cardano network. You had a partnership with Dish Network and Boost Mobile. 
um, which is is a subsidiary of Dish Network. We had a partnership with Veritree, which is a big sustainability and tree planting and global sustainability initiative. Rival Gaming, so you're having them entering into the esports space. And last but not least, a bigger partnership forming with Cody, um, which helped them roll out AdaPay. They are now being tapped to roll out the brand new algorithmic stablecoin on Cardano called DJED or DJED. All five of these announcements that happened last week are really, really big for Cardano, but I don't necessarily think that you can go comparing the partnerships that are happening on Helium with the partnerships that are happening on Cardano. We want to make sure that you understand that. We are comparing apples to oranges when we're talking about these two different projects. Helium, in its own way, is IoT-driven. It's networking. With Cardano, it's a Web3 platform. It's smart contracts. So again, we're talking about two completely different spaces here. But within the entire scope of what Cardano just announced, I think that more, more likely than not, this is what's going to cement Cardano as the number three player within smart contracts and Web3 for right now. So as we're looking forward, again, the Chainlink integration and having a massive Oracle partner who's already proven in terms of the way that they deliver net, um, data to smart contracts, it's a really big deal. Both Dish Network and Veritree, I think those deals, Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong, those deals were mostly about um, verification in terms of the individuals utilizing those networks or proof of verification. And then with rival gaming, I mean, esports is a massive industry. And one of the main Web3 players is going to have to dominate in that world to deploy NFTs and to help those uh, gaming companies roll out purchasable assets to the user base. And then, of course, with Cody, you need stable coins for your network to operate. That's just a reality. So if DJED works properly, it's going to be the first real functional algorithmic stablecoin as opposed to a stablecoin that is strictly capital-backed. That's a really big deal, at least to me, because it enables them to start running their own DeFi networks and basically pushing decentralized finance up into a world that's way, way, way more frictionless than it is currently on Ethereum. So Chris, do you have any initial takes on these types of partnerships and what they could do for Cardano? So I think the... I think outright, the Veritree, I think that's a cool partnership for them and actually addresses what a lot of the wider public's issues with crypto are, right? Which is kind of energy consumption. And that's a big reason that Elon Musk said Tesla was no longer going to accept Bitcoin was because right now, mining a Bitcoin just requires so much energy that it was actually harming the environment, right? And that was one of their big reasons. But by partnering with Veritree, Cardano is essentially helping companies verify that, look, we're donating, we are contributing to what Veritree does, so we're heading towards carbon neutrality. But another kind of piece in there, and I think they snuck it in later, and it was not made as big of a deal, is for every 15 Cardano that people donate to Veritree, Cardano is mat- the Cardano Foundation is matching that. And they're building what they call hashtag the Cardano Forest. And so that to me is their way of also getting to carbon neutrality, which is huge, right? Because that's directly addressing one of the issues that are kind of holding back a lot of people from really jumping on board with cryptocurrency. Yeah, and I mean, I think the... the- big keywords there for people that they need to like really start to understand is like this is when we say it's a verification service this is verification for reforestation efforts i'm sorry like i don't know if there is another network that has done that in the past and that cardano can be at the forefront of this to me i mean that's really an interesting thing especially because they want to push for sustainability um but these other announcements like you can't take them super lightly i mean with Rival in particular, Chris, I mean, you, Chris is big in the esports world um, in terms of like being able to cover it and being very plugged into it. But Chris, with the Rival partnership, um, essentially they're going to have the ability to, to not just create and distribute NFTs, but you're going to be able to also redeem those NFTs for physical goods and also interact with a marketplace where you, know, you can basically get royalties within the Rival platform. Um, and within that platform, just so that we're all on the same page here, Chris, 
you have the NFL Seattle Seahawks, the NBA's Detroit Pistons, and Aston Villa and Watford of the English Premier League are all involved within Rival. Um, do you have any, I guess, comment on the esports side of things and how this can be impactful there? Yeah. So obviously, a big, a big aspect of NFTs and a lot of proponents of the space they talk about how you know NFTs can be used in gaming to basically give players unique uh, cosmetics to prove they own them, help kind of trade them around, which to me is exciting, right? It's interesting. But what I think a lot of people that use that as a reason for why NFTs and gaming go hand in hand don't realize is that that has actually been around for 20 years in gaming. Valve, which is one of the major AAA publishers in the gaming world, has had their own skin marketplace for the better part of you know 15 years, I think, if not longer. And to me, that is kind of on the back burner. What is most interesting about this is, and it reminds me of the PSG fan token launch, where if you have a certain amount of fan tokens, it gives you access to exclusive events, exclusive merchandise, uh, you know, meet the players type things. And that to me is really cool because you're rewarding fans for interacting with your platform. And it actually isn't going to cost them anything, right? Like a big part of that is just giving people access to spending more money. So it brings in more capital, which in turn will get these large platforms more invested in the program itself. I mean, like there's a lot of different ways that we're going to start seeing, you know, integrations and partnerships form within this network among others. But I think that the narrative as it grows around partnerships in this space needs to be at the forefront because the more that we start to see things like traditional finance start partnering with you know different decentralized protocols and platforms, the more that we see um, even the bigger network providers right within telecom partnering with Cardano, not Cardano, excuse me, Helium, these are the things that are going to make mainstream and mass adoption possible, exa- like exactly what we were talking about on Tuesday with Richard we need to start seeing this bridging of centralized and decentralized so that mass adoption can be continued to push forward. Um, so look, I'm super encouraged by everything that we've, we've already talked about here today. But if you're out there right now thinking to yourself, man, I really wish that I could see X company partner with X protocol or start to see a really like creative integration happen within the blockchain space, let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but we've got just a couple more things to do before we wrap this show up. Um, Chris, are there, are there any announcements coming regarding what we've got going on here at CryptoCurrent um, next week and even throughout the rest of this weekend? Yeah, so on Monday, we have Kijun Seo from Planetarium, which is actually a, a blockchain gaming play. He will be joining us, or actually joining Richard uh, on the CryptoCurrent podcast to talk about you know, peer-to-peer gaming, how that's going to work in this kind of more blockchain-based metaverse space. Thursday, we're going to have Warren Paul Anderson, who is the, I think, VP of product at Discrete Labs. And they're launching uh, a new program called Findora, which is essentially going to be a programmable blockchain privacy play. Really interesting stuff coming out. You guys should definitely check that out. And on Wednesday... uh, in case you haven't seen it already, I've launched a new series of content on our YouTube, Crypto with Chris. And the first video, that was this Wednesday. We went over smart contracts, what those are, why they matter. Next Wednesday, we will be talking about Helium. Basically, awesome. what the project is and why you should care. I was going to say, we've got a lot of really great content coming up, folks. So again, please do us a favor. Join us here on YouTube or even over on crypto-current.co to get the very latest on what's going on in the crypto world and you know get clued in from the experts on how you can start becoming a more educated, crypto-curious member of our ecosystem. Um, as always, we have those new interviews for you every Monday and Thursday here on CryptoCurrents YouTube and also on podcast platforms wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we also come to you here live at 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday and Friday. Um, that is, again, Tuesdays with me and Richard. Fridays here with me with Chris. And last but not least, a couple of other things to watch for um, out in the world. On October 4th, um, there's a platform called Banker Joe, which is um, going to be the lending protocol for Trader Joe, which is not the food store. It is actually the 
exchange platform on the Avalanche ecosystem, Banker Joe is going to be launching on October 4th. Um, so if you're into the Avalanche ecosystem and you want to um, start working on uh, the lending side of things, Banker Joe will be the platform for you. Give that a look. Um, but otherwise, folks, I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Again, remember, like and subscribe. Make sure that you're um, connected with us on all the socials. You've got our links up above. You can follow Chris at It's Mikus and me at Steve Miller underscore Phoenix. Have a great weekend, folks. And remember to stay CryptoCurrent. We'll see you next time. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from CECG83. I've heard about cryptocurrency for a while and I finally decided to learn more. Cryptocurrent was recommended. I'm glad I checked it out. Excellent content that makes it easy to learn about different companies building in this space. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Cargon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.